Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming. Host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic They make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all new Zibby Mag, Z I B B Y M A G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature, 
and events and classes. Check it out, zippymag.com. Katie Marin is the author of Becoming a Gardener, What Reading and Digging Taught Me About Living. Katie is the creator and editor of two anthologies on the value and significance of urban public spaces, City Squares, 18 Writers on the Spirit and Significance of Squares Around the World, and City Parks, Public Places, and Private Thoughts. She is a trustee and chair emeritus of the New York Public Library, where she was chairman of the board. Marin is also a trustee of Friends of the High Line, where she was also board chair and a trustee of the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation. She was previously an editor for Vogue. Welcome, Katie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Can you hold up your book just for me to see? It's so beautiful. I'll post a little clip of this, but Becoming a Gardener might be the most beautiful book. It could have just been, I'm actually totally curious as to why you formatted it this way, but it is so beautiful because it could have easily just been a memoir of sorts, a memoir in gardening, a la Dominique Browning, but instead it has the most beautiful illustrations and photographs and everything. So anyway, welcome and congratulations on this beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you very much. And what I'd love to say to you is congratulations to you because your book, Bookends, is something I enjoyed so much. I read it in two nights and I am not a fast reader, unlike I think you. And I just, I just savored it. I savored the story. I appreciated your openness and your honesty. I, I just really loved it. And I also loved your love of books and how far back that goes. And there's a story in my book that's rather similar to that, but I, it's, I love that. And I will always think of you as the book messenger. Oh, really bravo to you. Really bravo. Well, that is really nice and made my day (laughs) completely. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's always nice to be able to connect through our stories. Like it's so neat. I can I write my story, you read it, you write your story, I read it. It's like a fast forward of a whole relationship. It's really neat. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, obviously, we're both from New York. I yes. didn't grow up in New York. I did move to New York City in college. So hearing all of those bits and pieces, too, was fun. Oh, that's amazing. Well, okay, tell everybody, you moved out of New York, you found this house in Connecticut, you were going to make a garden, and then the pandemic hit, and now all of a sudden it's a book. So tell the whole story. <laughs> Okay. Yes. I would say several years ago, our family fell upon, really fell upon this house in Connecticut, which had amazing land and it was a really nice house. So we decided, thinking about future generations, our two children having children and all of that, it would be a great house for that. And we decided to buy it. We definitely made it our own, very much so. There were some big differences. And yet somehow, I felt like I was living in the previous owner, their house. And that was a rather uncomfortable feeling for me. In fact, I tried different things, such as waving sage around the doors and windows, which I'd never done before to try to feel better about it. But somehow, somehow I couldn't understand why, but it was not working. So then one morning I was walking our dog on our typical morning loop and it dawned on me that if I rooted myself to the land, maybe that would help me root myself to the house. I have always loved gardens. And there was one other inspiration for this book, I'll say in a second. Uh, always loved gardens. And right now was the time to make my own for the first time. Uh, I'd also just say that and this is something you'd appreciate because this came in, they both of these concepts came in at the same time, um, is a quote. I heard about 10 years ago, and it's from Cicero, 
uh, about 2,000 years ago. And it says, if you have a garden and a library, you have all you need. And that quote really caught my attention. I've thought about it many times since. I understand, I think, some of what he's talking about. I don't understand it fully. But that and the me- uh, trying to understand the meaning of gardens is really the gist of the book. I love how you decided to do this rooting experiment and you turned so much to books as you referenced and how even the quote that you included by Jamaica Kincaid of how you know she tried to make her first garden and was black and blue and I don't know, split her thumbs open, something like that. And then she knew she was a gardener and you're like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, that's so totally true. In fact, though, I think that the, for what happened for her is on a Mother's Day, her husband gave her all sorts of things, all the tools, and she went out and planted some plants, which she said did not come up. But she said that did not yet make me a gardener, and now she is a gardener. And for me, I think becoming a gardener, a real gardener, takes some time, and it takes some experimentation. It's, gardening is all about experimentation in my mind. And that's also, you know, I really wanted to become a gardener, gardener and understand what it would mean for my life. But it dawned on me, in thinking about this, that there is no test I have to take to suddenly become a gardener. <laughs> I could call myself a gardener whenever I wanted to, and I call myself any kind of gardener whenever I wanted to. And that is something great. Uh, right now, I would call myself a novice gardener, and there's lots to learn, which is one of the exciting things about gardening. Well, there's something about sharing your excitement and enthusiasm for gardening, which is infectious, contagious. I I appreciate gardens a lot, obviously, because they're beautiful, but have never been sort of bitten by that bug. But reading your book, especially all the corollaries between the creativity of of planting and the creativity involved in writing and words and all sorts of output, and, and even that you you laid out like a set amount of time where you're like, I'm going to garden in this amount of time and I could get it done. Like, it seems like somehow an achievable goal, right, that you could actually even no matter how small a little piece of land or a pot or whatever, make a huge difference and, and yeah, have things last beyond you, which I think is, you know, perhaps at the heart of a lot of things that we do subconsciously. Tell me a little bit more about falling in love with this or what the challenges were and what you say to people who want to get into gardening now. I'd say the challenges were <laughs> really learning how to plant, you know, how deep should I put a seed, that kind of thing. And I had two wonderful hands-on mentors to teach me, uh, Catherine Chibone, a very talented young landscape designer, and Gay Paris, who knows a lot about vegetables. I am particularly interested in vegetables. I love the fact that this house was in Connecticut, and I wanted to somehow tie it in to colonial times and vegetables were important to me. 18 months, I think, was a fair amount. The idea was to design it, plant it over six months, and then have 12 months, a full year, to watch the first plant cycle. I'll say one thing that I look back on. I am still a New Yorker by life. That's where we live. And I, I don't imagine myself living there full time. My daughter, on the other hand, really loves it and possibly could live there full time. Anyway, I was very naive to think that I could have made that garden, which is 48 by 54 feet. And, you know, to the extent that it was, if I didn't live there full time. And during the pandemic, we escaped to that house. 
and and live there, you know, isolated there. And that was in its way a phenomenal experience. It was really a saving grace for the garden. It made the book, I think, many times better. And not only did I did it help me to plant and understand the garden, but it really helped me to understand nature. And I think one reason, one main reason people garden is to get in touch with nature. As Thoreau says, we are really made of the same elements. And E.O. Wilson will talk about a concept he discovered in the 1980s that people not only need connection and relationships with people, but they need them with nature and animals. And I really do believe in that. And certainly, I think Michael Pollan's quote is the endlessly engrossing ways uh, a person can connect with the earth. So, so that was, you know, that was very helpful. And but I have one big piece of advice out of all of this, which is to start small. I started bigger than I would have otherwise, and in fact, shrinking the garden so I could tackle it more easily. But I really mean it. Don't don't bite off more than you need to chew because it's hard at first. It takes learning. It takes experimentation. And you don't want to have so much work to do that it loses its fun. That's true. That's good life advice on all friends. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you know starting your garden that it was going to be a book? No, uh, not initially, but soon, because then I did propose the idea to a wonderful publisher, Jonathan Burnham, who runs now Harper Books, and I've done two other books for Harper. So I thought about it for that reason. And he liked the idea, which was great. Um, so, you know, I got the contract and it was time really about the same time that you start planting. And that's what happened. Wow. Was it always going to be such a visual delight? When you had your proposal and everything, was it intended to be like the larger shape and with so many beautiful watercolors and photographs and all of that? Or, or were you ever thinking of it as a straight sort of memoir about becoming a gardener? Very visual by nature. And uh, the other 
well, one of the other two books had a lot of, it had that same sort of mix of text and photos. You know, gardens do need to be seen, I think, to be understood. So in that sense, I think there was always going to be visuals. It was fun because Jonathan and I, in debating whether to do this book, decided we would go to bookstores. He lived downtown, I lived uptown. And so he went down here and I moved downtown. And, and I first went to this charming bookshop called Kitchen Arts and Letters on Lexington Avenue in the 90s. It's been there for, I don't know, 70 years or something. It feels like it hasn't changed. The people there are very nice. And I picked up a book from Danish Chef and I was so struck by the watercolors. Mm. And so I took that to Jonathan when we were, had our first meeting about it. And he loved watercolors just as much as I did. The company that did them is called All the Way to Paris. It's run by two women. And I, it took a while. They were hard to track down. They, I think, <laughs> were in Japan at the time. But they were just hard to track down. And But I'm so glad I persevered and love the mix of the photos. And, and I should also add Bill Branowitz, who was introduced to me by Liz Sullivan, an editor at Harper, is I'm a really talented photographer. I think he captures the light in an amazing way, but he's also a super nice man. So after your deep dive into books about gardening, like what did you take away that those of us who have not read all those books haven't gotten? I would take away... First, that it was really fun to try something new and learning something new really from scratch I uh, was exciting. I realized I have, since I've loved gardens, I've always gone to see gardens whenever we travel. So I, and we did have a small garden somewhere else that I asked someone to help do um, if I didn't have a clue. And so, but I actually found I knew tidbits here and there more than I thought, but still. It was totally learning something new. And I think that's that's something I, I guess I'd like to impart, which is it doesn't have to be gardening. It can be anything. But the idea of learning something new. And the other is the fact that being closer to nature does enhance your life. It, it enhances my life as I walk down the street because I suddenly become more observant. Uh, the writer Penelope Lively calls it having gardener's eyes. And I see plants in ways I hadn't. I identify plants in ways I hadn't. And, and so it just enhances my everyday experience. And, and putting some seeds in the ground and watching them come up is really, really satisfying. So I have read, as you know, a lot about what uh, the writers say about gardens. And I have realized it's, it's, Really quite true. That's wonderful. So can you back up and explain your love of books and when it started, when you started writing your own books, how you got involved with the library, which I know we've both been involved in at the New York Public Library. Like how did this all happen? I suppose my love of books started when I was young. I thought of you and your story about Charlotte's Web in your book because I had a similar story about the secret garden in mine. I didn't use a flashlight when I got into the cover. Somehow, I don't know why I was able to see it. Uh, I think it was daytime. But anyway, I loved that book. And it was books, really, that introduced me to gardening. Many people, by the way, who are gardeners have this gardening gene, and particularly in England. And often, oddly enough, jumps 
a generation. So it might be a grandparent who has a garden. But we did not have gardens in our family. So for me, learning about gardens really came out of books and it came out of visiting gardens. And I've just always admired writing and writers. In the other two books, really what I did was assemble writers who wrote on a specific topic. So this is the first book I wrote myself. And I, I just so appreciate what, what writers do. I really admire it. And it changes life. There's so much that can be said through writers. Um, my involvement in the library funnily started because it was Tom Wolf, and now I'm a friend of his daughter, sent me a letter to be on some committee at the library. And I didn't really read the letter, and I just sort of tossed it, feeling it was just whatever, you know, yet another standard kind of fundraising letter and something like that. And they did follow up and asked me. And I thought, well, thank goodness they followed up because, you know, it really did change my life. And I started to be on that council. And then I don't know why, really, I, for whatever reasons, was asked to join the board. So I did that. At that point, I was distinctly the youngest member of the board. And it was very exciting. And and I did various things. And, and then, uh, you know, again, it was a surprise when they asked me to chair the board. But that was the most rewarding work experience I've ever had. How so? Felt like I was making a difference in, in various ways. I thought it was always wonderful when Paula Claire and I and Catherine Dunn, for instance, and others would go to a branch library, which had had a renovation, and see it in action. Because sometimes you work in the abstract. And it was working with the people of all sorts. I, you know, there was wide range. And I just enjoyed that so much. In fact... I really enjoyed writing this book. It was hard, and I realized I'm not a writer. I really don't want to be in the quiet of writing all the time. I, I don't plan on writing another book. I just feel like I need people around more or doing something with people. And I just really enjoy working on a project with people for the same goal. Interesting. I mean, you could do like a group. Could you have a co-writer or something? We'll see. So aside from the solitude aspect, solitary aspect, although you were writing during COVID too, which I'm sure made it even more acute what was going on, but did you feel rejuvenated or do you feel like you got meaning, maybe you wouldn't have paused to get out of the gardening experience by writing about it? Sort of like being that, like that extra layer of observation? Yeah. And I think a lot really comes from the research with the writers mm -hmm. and and there are so many quotes of the writers, their advice that are woven throughout the narrative that that enhanced my knowledge dramatically. And I think writing about it certainly helped me to understand. It certainly helped me to understand the meaning of a garden. So that. yes, I'll tell you to do that's wonderful. Okay, so if you're not planning on writing another book, but you are planning on continuing to garden, it sounds in a smaller section. What what else comes after this book? And is there anything on your wish list for why you wanted to write this book that you haven't done yet that is still on your list? That's a really interesting question. I'm one of those people who really has to work in some way. And I keep thinking that all these things that I've done are great, but then, you know, they, they finish and then I have to start something new. And this time I really want to start something that will last for the long haul, as I say it. And what has always interested me is farming. Mm. And what I am thinking of is, it's rather ambitious, I suppose, uh, but trying to find land 
and create farms, which are farmed actually in my mind by refugees. So it could be a, a lot, you know, there are a lot of different groups where it could be farmed and they would be paid and, you know, the produce or whatever would be going for them and whatever the excess would be either sold or given to food banks or whatever. But that is my interest. And I'm right now, you know, finally really feeling I have a good amount of time to really devote to it. I have a couple of wonderful friends who are willing to help me. And Cheryl Efron being one, um, Kim Ellenman being another. And so, you know, it's, it's again, something that I'll be working on with people and how rewarding that is. Wow. That's wonderful. Amazing. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Simply try, you know, it's what other people say, put, put something on paper. At one point, the editor said to me, just write one chapter or write one section. So I did, I wrote it on roses and I really thought it was pretty terrible and sort of tuck it, tucked it away. And for whatever reasons, let's say eight, seven, eight months later, we were talking about it and I, and she said something, I said, all right, I'll show it to you. And she loved it. <laughs> Basically in the book as I wrote it. And so you never do know your, your writing. I would wager anyone's writing is better than you think, you know, and there's a ton of editing that goes into this. I edited this book again and again and again and again. And when I was doing the book on city squares, I was working with a writer who would send me draft number 18. And she just kept going. And I understand that. So it doesn't really matter what you put down at first. It's the editing. I love the advice of the editing. Well, Katie, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about your beautiful book. It is like such a perfect read. You're a beautiful writer, but it's also a great gift for anybody who loves to garden and really, really beautiful. I mean, I know I keep saying beautiful, but that's what I think about it. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. So thank you. Thank you to you. All right. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.